When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media, presented by our good friends over at FanDuel, as well as our delicious friends over at HelloFresh. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. I gotta say, Connor, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. because t- So I, I, I'm a religious HelloFresh user. I've, I told you this. Uh, I've been very open about this with you. And tonight, I am cooking up, so Monday night. It will be gone by the time it will be eaten quickly by the time yes. people listen to this. Uh, but it's a, a shepherd's pie. It takes it takes a little longer to make than everything else. But I've had it before and it's very good. I'm very excited. Can't go, for can't it. go wrong, right? It's I mean, what is it? It's just mashed potatoes on top of like protein. Like it's great. Yes. What did you and vegetables. Yeah. Yes. I feel so healthy when I do it. Uh, I use up a lot of plates because I I you know I use a lot and it, all that. But it's a very fun times. So I'm excited. Uh, to, to do that. It's also fun. You and I are reunited back on Bruins Beat. A uh, little different than uh, when Felger's on. A little different. It's a little, little different tone. I did see someone replied on YouTube saying, man, I got on you guys for being uh, too positive about the team and you went out and got Felger. So good for you guys. There you uh, go. So yeah, I guess we uh, we, we, we did. Uh, so happy to have you back, Connor, uh, and, and talking all that. How's the holiday season going? Are you doing your shopping, all that stuff? I think I'm mostly done now. You hit the point where I, I think you go above and beyond, and I probably have I've spent a little too much here. Got a little uh, overindulgent, got a little carried away here. But then you hit that that point in like December 11th through like the 18th, where you're like, oh, I guess I need to get something for this person. And it's like, no, no, you're all set. You you have those kind of stretches, which I'd rather do that of second guessing than like the people who wait until the 20th, the 21st, people go shopping like on Christmas Eve, psychos. No. L- lunatics, Evan, dare I say. Crazy human beings. I I feel the same way. I start my shopping uh, around early December, but I get really nervous because stuff, some stuff won't come in until it says like December 15th through the 28th. And I'm like, well, that's a big fucking difference. <laughs> like yes. you, you be a little more spe- specific with that. So I get very nervous. I'm like, oh my God, it better come in before Christmas. I got to have these things in, blah, 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 blah. But uh, I have everything. It's actually like literally to the left of me. And it's, it's all just right up against my bedroom wall. And there's, there's actually a big thing of uh, wrapping paper. And that's like the most tedious thing I have. To, I, I have to wrap those gifts. They are just sitting there. So at some point, I do have to take like 30 minutes to, to sit and, and, and wrap. And, and that's, when, that's when you put on like the Grinch Stoke Christmas or Home Alone or something like that. And you, you knock it out then. A little hot yes. cocoa. That's how you do it. 
I agree. Uh, speaking of Grinch, have you seen those videos of uh, people getting uh, people to get dressed up as the Grinch and like crash their Christmas party? I cannot wait. Someday when I have children, I cannot wait to do that to them and and potentially scar them for life. But it'll make a f it'll be good for for that the internet clout for the, for really the content, matters. which is the most important thing. We don't. Yeah, who cares about the kids and how they internally get traumatized by. Uh, christmas every year but the, the ones where it scares the kids is funny i saw one where it's like a bunch of like 25 year olds and the guy comes in and it's like a fully decorated tree and just grabs it and like lifts it and carries it out and like what of smash everywhere i'd be pissed there like the videos of like when it's like a cat that jumps and knocks a tree down i got a lot of knickknacks a lot of different stuff on my christmas tree if like someone destroyed my tree i'd be pretty heated like i, I would kind of laugh and then like afterwards i'd gotten inside like hey that was really fucked up you, you owe me like four hundred dollars worth of christmas ornaments so you also need to clean all this up like right yes now. Exa exactly you don't want to have to, you don't want to be like mav when he's stepping in the stepping on like the glass ornaments and they're breaking you don't want that that was a that was such a chess level uh thing by kevin to have all those ornaments there to just step on i mean that is such galaxy brain level thinking how would his, a kid his age figure that i mean that is like just diabolical he, i he, think he, he's skilled in guerrilla warfare or like who knew kevin McAllister <laughs> knew all the he got a got nails in the uh in the staircases really went above and beyond and again it takes me about like uh, 20 minutes to bring in the trash in selfie like that man like built an entire booby trap in like 11 minutes <laughs> impressive and he's and he still had time to have his macaroni and cheese i think that's like one of the most he underrated he, he didn't enjoy it unfortunately but he's it's, it's the effort that counts it was right there it was right there uh but i agree the holiday season is is a good time it's uh yeah it's been it, i agree it's gone too fast uh and and we're moving right along through december um but anyway uh the bruins stuff continues uh there's a lot for for a dis for december i feel like yeah um and chief among them is uh, matt patra was benched in the third period in Saturday's game in the 5-3 win over the Coyotes, who, by the way, Arizona Coyotes, not a bad team. Pretty good. They're not too bad. They, and my favorite take, my favorite take you've ever given in all of our podcasting, you have, you, this is, well, I like this take the most, and it's not surprising when you consider the roots, but it's the Clayton Keller should one day be a Boston Bruin, and like a long-term Boston Bruin. I've always liked that take. It's always been your take. And when I saw them play on Saturday and he scored that goal, I was like, man, he'd look good in black and gold. He would look yeah. good. So. You know, those, those classic BU guys. They, they need to – I honestly didn't expect them to play that well this year. If they really tanked again, then they would be like, all right, when are they going to move that contract before they find another place to actually play uh, in the years ahead? But, yeah, definitely a guy worth keeping tabs on, especially if that team continues to kind of go up and down in the standings. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think he would fit, and, I, I you know, the Arizona situation is so weird. I did see the other day, though, their their Twitter account tweeted out something like, new arena eye emojis, and I'm like, I didn't follow up on it at all. I can't imagine it was anything. Um, I can't imagine it was anything, no. It was probably like yeah. they had like a little bubble. They showed like a video of like a bubble hockey. Like, at like a, they went to the Quincy Youth Rink and saw, took a video of the bubble hockey. <laughs> And that was their arena they're working on. It's like a joke, getting getting that funny engagement, right? I, lo I love when Twitter ah. accounts are, are really zany, right? Ah. It's nice chuckle too. Yeah, it's exactly so funny, I guys. Bah. Um. Anyways, uh, Matt Potter didn't play in the third period. This is what everybody's talking about. Uh, and let me pull up the quote from Jim Montgomery uh, after the game when he was asked about it. He said, "It's valuing game management. It's something that." We 
talk to him about. Uh, and it's still lacking in his game right now. We're paid to win hockey games, and I'm going to go with the guys that I think are going to win us a hockey game. Uh, so my whole thing with that, and we've been very consistent with how we've uh, evaluated these younger players throughout the year. And, you know, my whole thing with it is I get it against Toronto, right? I get it against Dallas. I understand that. Those are big-time games with big-time opponents, and those are two points you need to have. And I agree. You need those two points against Arizona. You're not a rebuilding hockey team. You are in it. You are tied for the the, the best record in the league. You 100% should be going all in. But a Saturday matinee game against the Arizona Coyotes in December, one game after him being healthy scratched, you're really, you're really going to bench him for the third period when you are also missing Pavel Zaka? And the other thing I'll add, and I know you'll you'll agree with me on this, so after that little mishap that uh, Arizona scored their second goal on that Patra kind of turned it over in the neutral zone for, which, by the way, Shattenkirk activated and was over the red line. That's why it was a two-on-one, because Shattenkirk activated and was over the red line. So you can either blame Shattenkirk for that or you can blame the system. Uh, but then... He makes up for it with the with the goal for Heinen, with the play in the neutral zone to get Dan Heinen in the goal. So I don't see this. I don't understand why so strict on this. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I do think it's very much a, a situational thing where I agree with like Toronto. In Toronto with that firepower, with the stakes involved, one goal game, then goes Hockey Night in Canada. You want to minimize the risk there. And I think Montgomery kind of said the quiet part out loud, right, in his uh, post-game presser uh, against Arizona. It's like, we're paid to win hockey games. And I think we've touched on this before, that as much as you want to talk about coaches embracing the youth movement, uh, guys being uh, better to deal with with younger players, these teams want to win at the end of the day. And unless you're a team like Columbus or San Jose, where you're not anywhere close to contending, you're not going to trot out a rookie for – 20, 22 uh, minutes a night and, you know, feed them to the wolves for the sake of getting them to learn when you, you know, are not trying to fight for anything other than development and success in the years ahead. If you're the Bruins where you're atop the Atlantic and you're a really competitive team right now, you want to minimize that risk while also helping these guys along. So I can see the Toronto game, but as you said, against Arizona where Potter already had a day off on Thursday, there's minutes up for grabs with Zaka not playing. And, you know, when you, you look at Potra's game, the one thing that Montgomery's always preached about him as to why he's been so successful is when he has a bad shift or a bad turnover, he rebounds in a hurry. And it's not, usually it's like, all right, maybe he has a bad game, bounces back. That was a situation where he has a bad turnover in the second period. Four minutes later, he gets that turnover, pushes the puck ahead to Dan Hine and has a goal, right? Like, it's like he rebounded in the stretch of five minutes. So you would think when you look at just the uh, – the lack of uh, Zaka being out there, the fact that he already kind of responded to, you know, hitting a wall in that game. Uh, it seemed like the perfect situation to, to roll Potter out there a little bit longer. Again, on Monday, Montgomery, you know, preached about really staying positive, had a one-on-one meeting with Potter, saying all the right things. But it, it is a definite uh, tough situation in terms of, you know, towing the line there. Because if, you know, you have one game against Toronto with the stakes involved, okay, if you're a rookie, you can see that. If you have, you know, your first season in the NHL, you're not used to an 82-game schedule, I can see sitting out for a game and resting your legs. That makes sense. If it becomes a trend of, like, he's sitting out in third periods, that's when you start kind of the the slippery slope where a guy like Padra, who's a really confident, offensive-minded rookie, if you keep on getting benched, that's when it starts getting in your head. You start overthinking things. You're worrying about making mistakes. 
this sound like a situation we've heard before with another Bruins coach? Like, that's not to say that, you know, every rookie's cut from the same cloth, but if it becomes a habit of him being the guy that, you know, lands in the doghouse in these situations, those things can kind of add up for a young player trying to find their footing in the NHL. And again, it goes back to what we talked about preseason. Remember when we sat here and people were like, oh, you guys don't think he should be going right to the NHL? And it's like, no, we were cautious because he couldn't go to Providence. And again, you're you're sacrificing valuable uh, development time. Now, he's developed quite a bit at the NHL level. He's played a lot and he's produced. And again, I, I think he's been overall really good for, for what you should expect from a 19-year-old kid in the NHL. Uh, but as you said, when things start to build like this and you are getting benched and you are getting scratched, that's development time. And that's that hurts a lot. of That hurts confidence. And I, I get it. The Bruins are not a team that's going to rebuild. Maybe ever. I mean, you look at remember Jer- the Jacobs comments uh, last year when they yeah. brought in Jim Montgomery and they were asked, you know, are you headed for a rebuild? And they said, no, we want to win hockey games. So, you know, they that again, that's a hard thing for Montgomery and Sweeney to operate under where it's like. You've got to win. You've got to win or you'll lose your job. Like that, I, And I think that's the big thing there. And it's good that it's like that. You do want to have a winning culture. And the Bruins do have a winning culture. You know, you're not going to be one of the, the sucky franchises like the Coyotes or the Blackhawks right now. Where, like, you know, you're going to bottom out for a while. Like, it's good that they're good and, and they're in it every year and this and that. But at the same time, that doesn't always allow for full development for guys like Patra or a Lowry where... You know, Lowry is raw. Lowry is a, we've said this, really raw player, some defensive inefficiencies, but really good offensively and has a lot of promise. And Patra has a ton of promise and a high ceiling and all those things. But they're both of them are going to make mistakes. So it's hard to uh, put them out there constantly uh, for a really, really, really good team. Now, at least with Lowry, they can send down to Providence. Patra, they can't. And the more I think about this, the more I think like, I think Patra's proved at the NHL level. Like, I think he has all the intangibles to be a good NHL center. I think he's earned his time up here. But the more I see things, like, if this continues to happen, because it's starting to, not like, like the, not, it's not snowball, mm-hmm. good pun intended, <laughs> the winter and everything. Not snowball, but it could. Like, that's what I think a Providence would be perfect for him, but they can't move him down. So right. you have that dilemma, which I think... Um, doesn't really help things. What have you thought of Potra's overall game this year so far? I feel like we haven't talked about him in a little while. Yeah, no, I mean, I think he's been solid. There's, as expected for a guy that's 19, there's going to be those lulls in games where maybe he's not that impactful. But I think even in games where he's not scoring, there's at least one or two shifts where it stands out where he's holding on to the puck, being assertive, and, and giving this team energy. And that's one thing that I think has occasionally been missing for this team offensively. You can look at the systems, you can look at the forechecking, all those things. But in terms of just generating energy, when he's really holding on to the puck and really started with it and generating uh, high-danger chances, like that that's where that talent really shines. And something that Montgomery even mentioned on Monday, that he's a young, enthusiastic player, and guys feed off that on this team. And, he, and even in games where maybe he has uh, zero points and he's not really impacting the game in terms of the tangible stat line, he still brings those kind of smaller things that can go a long way towards – really, you know, pushing across a forward group that's still really in transition and has a lot of overhaul on it. So as a whole, I think he's been solid. And I think what has stood out to me is just his ability to bounce back and stuff. Like, that's why I was kind of confused by him sitting the third period on on Saturday where, yes, wasn't a great turnover in the neutral zone, 
three minutes later has a primary assist, like makes a smart play there. That That's a pretty special player to go through, you know, a setback, hit a wall, and then in the same game minutes later, bounce back, make the most of it, have a short memory and capitalize like that. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I agree. And I want to get into uh, sort of your depth at center because obviously the, the Pavel Zaka news. Uh, but first, Connor, quick word, quick word from our sponsors over at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. Again, FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. In Mass, 21 plus and present in Mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Now, back to the show. So, uh... Pavel Zaka taken out in the first period, uh, Montgomery said on Monday, day-to-day, so they don't quite know if he's going to be good to go against New Jersey on Wednesday, which is a primetime game, by the way. TNT, big game, that's a big stage. New Jersey's underperformed this year, so it's a little, could be a big game for them, a little something there. Uh, But if Pavel Zaka doesn't play, doesn't get to rub it in the faces of um, New Jersey fans, which I think would have been fun. Um, But if he's out, which again, if if this is out and and he is in, um, or if this store if this podcast comes out and he is announced in, which I don't know how that would happen by the time this is out, but if that does happen, I think depth at center is still an interesting conversation to have. Uh, but if Zaka is out, guys like Geeky, Frederick saw a little time at center uh, on Saturday. Um, I've seen some saying potentially like a Merkulov. I know he had a five point night the other night. Don't quite know if they're there yet with him because if you're if you're not happy with some of Patra's issues, uh, that's going to be a roller coaster of an adventure. Uh, what do you think the Bruins do if uh, if Zaka's out on Wednesday? Yeah, I was going to say with Mark Yulov, uh that's not really an easy matchup too against Jack Hughes and the way the Devils <laughs> play. As you said, kind of underwhelming so this year, but how quick they are, how dynamic they can be. I, I wouldn't throw Mark Yulov to the Wolves there, but. Obviously, I think one situation is uh, giving uh, Potra more time, which would help out quite Ooh. a bit. But uh, beyond that, uh, I do think a guy like Geeky could step into a larger role there. It's kind of been an interesting season for him where he's kind of been all over the lineup. He was a guy that I think we expected as being a third-line center going into the air. He gets shifted to wing, played pretty well with Potra in kind of that, I guess, de facto third-line spot. But then over the last couple of weeks he's been more of a fourth line guy and I think he's been solid in that spot but still hasn't found a lot of consistency um but I thought he was really good actually in that in that game against uh, Arizona in the second and third period has over 17 minutes of ice time has the primary assist on Pasternak's second goal I believe and 
I think the one thing that's always stuck out to me about Geeky is um, he's not the, the biggest guy out there. He's 6'3", but not like a, a power forward or anything like that. But he always seems to carry the puck in and around the net. And I think if he's, you know, getting more minutes and it's with guys like Pasternak or Jake DeBrusque, who he played quite a bit with uh, in the last game, if he's bringing the puck down low, holding on to it, and you have guys that can finish uh, better, maybe you can get something out of it. I don't know if this is the situation where I'm saying Geeky needs to step into a larger role if Zaka's back, but if you're looking for a contingency plan for a couple of games, a week or so, I think he can step into that spot and give you a little bit more than maybe what you've seen so far. Yeah, I'm fine with Geeky stepping in. And again, that's a guy that was sort of finding his footing, I think, pre-injury, which hurt them and, and hurt him. But I think getting him back in the lineup um, and playing a consistent spot if Zaka is out for any length of time, I think is a good thing. Um, Frederick's an interesting one. I'm curious what they do there. Um, again, I like his game on the wing, but again, he came up as a natural center. So you do wonder if there's anything there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would be fine with he, I agree with you. Merkulov against the Devils. Nah. But again, I, Patra, like you've got the guy, like let him cook, try it. You know I mean? Like I, I, again, it's a big game. It's a big stage. These are points you want to have. I, I agree. We're consistent on that. But if Zaka is going to be out. The guy with the offensive upside, similar to Azaka, is Patra. So I would like Patra in there. Um, I think a lot of people would. Um, and again, I, I think this is this is one of Montgomery's first real big tests because you know he was brought in as a guy who can win games but also develop talent. And having a guy like Patra, who is who has the upside that he does, is the age that he is. I think it's important that he handles this well. So I am curious to see how he handles this going forward, what his role is um, on Wednesday night if Zaka is out of that game. Um, I will tell you, though, uh, before the game, I got Wednesday, I've got to be doing some HelloFresh, uh, which actually brings us perfectly to our next sponsor, which is HelloFresh. So back to the show, yes. Uh, your colleague at the Boston Globe, uh, Kevin Paul DuPont, had a very interesting column on Sunday about the lack of hitting, especially by the Bruins' back end. You know, you're missing Derek Forbert right now. Uh, lots has been made of Charlie McAvoy since his four-game suspension after that hit on Oliver Ekman Larson. And I think it was in that that dud of a game against the Sabers on Thursday yeah. that I think one Bruin had a one one defenseman had one hit. It was Lindholm had one hit. Everybody else zero hits. And again, hitting's not everything. Typically, when you're hitting someone, it means you do not have the puck. And the Bruins are a puck possession team. You want to have the puck. So maybe being number one in hits is not something you really want to be. But they don't have that edge. And they have, by the way, they have not had that hit, you know, that physical edge in a long time. Even you, like, you know, against the Panthers last uh, last season. You know, they, they even went out, they went out, got Hathaway, they got Bertuzzi. Didn't really make a heck of a lot of difference. Um, and this year, you know, you had Lucic. Now that's a whole another situation so that's off the table um you know and i you know forbert's on the on the ltir um but i think they do need to be more physical i know montgomery at practice recently has has been kind of preaching that but i agree with kevin you they've got to be more physical on the back end and i think throughout the whole lineup yeah i think definitely throughout the whole lineup and i think there's a way to inject that physicality where i think when people hear the discourse about, you know, physicality and grit, they automatically think it's like just dropping the gloves or being the 2010, 2011 Bruins. 
it's not the case anymore. You can't have a team like that. That being said, you can inject physicality into the hallmarks and the strengths of your game and as you know, a key piece of your system. Like I think you look at the Florida Panthers, the Carolina Hurricanes, all these teams that go very far in the playoffs, suffocating forecheck, they wear you down, they uh, you know, come in waves, they make you turn over the puck, make bad decisions with the puck, uh, you know, put you under duress night in, night out, every single shift. And that can go a long way when you're playing in a seven-game series, especially when, all right, you're the Bruins. Let's say you get past uh, Carol, uh, so you get past Florida. You got Carolina. You got the Rangers, who I think have uh, really upped their forechecking pressure. So whether you look at the forecheck like that, whether you look at the defense, and again, it's not like you need guys that are just going to be pummeling guys, dropping the gloves, what have you, but physicality in terms of, you know, pushing guys out of the great AIs, you know, making it, making guys retrieving pucks, you know, second guess or look over their shoulder. It's things like that, that I think in today's NHL, um, when you talk about physicality and hitting, it's a means to, it, it, it's part of the process, right? It's not a means to an end of like, I'm going to beat the living shit out of you and, and just pump me. It's like Nicholas Cronwall just killing yeah, guys like along it, the wall. Like it, it is different how, how you can kind of identify it, but if it's a, a part of your system and a, a, a way to wear teams down, make things, I think it's all comes down to the Bruins this year have not done enough to make things hotter on their opponents. Right. Like it, it's something where it's over a seven game series by game six or seven, you need that entire, you know, opposition have quite a few welts have second guesses about, you know, retrieving pucks, making sound plays, you know, it's all about, you know, I think the best way to describe the, the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's like that Mike Tyson quote of everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Be the be the be the team that lands that punch, right? And have guys second guessing, throwing them off their game. And I think you're not seeing that enough from the Bruins so far. Again, you can tweak that. You can I think some of it's a mindset, like uh, whether it's the personnel, whether it's just guys, you know, adhering to that more. Um, that needs to change more than just like I think people view physicality hitting as just uh, a scene from Slapshot or anything like that. There's a way to apply that practically in today's NHL. You're just not seeing enough from the Bruins so far this year. And you mentioned it. Forecheck, A. That's the number one area where, yeah, like, you don't have to have the puck on – you do not have the puck on the forecheck. You're dumping it in or, you know, the te- other team's going back to break it out. Being physical. That's, like, number one. And number two is just in your own zone. Hitting guys. Making life difficult when guys try to get to interior ice. Uh, you know, along even along the perimeter. Things like that. I know they play a zone defense and all those things. But guys in your zone, you know, stick to stick. Step up and hit him. I mean, again, I, it, it's not all like, you know, uh, Johnny Boychuk laying guys out in open ice type stuff. It's just, you know, physicality along the wall and things like that. that I think make a big difference in the, in the long term, you know, and especially, especially in a playoff series where, you know, you, you're going against the same guys. You know, you, you want uh, guys to think twice before cutting in or going to the net. Um, or going to certain areas. Uh, and I agree. The Bruins have not been the ones punching teams in the mouth, which is off-brand for them. And it's been that yeah. way for a couple of years now uh, where they've had it. So, again, we go back to it's not like, you know, hey, the Bruins need to bring Scott Stevens out of retirement and have him, you know, lining guys up left and right. A lot of Scott Stevens' hits, if you go back and watch him, were so egregiously dirty. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> like, it's like when you play – have you played an NHL, like, in the video game – where it's like uh, threes, it's like arcade style, and there's no interference. Mm. So you can yes. just, uh, you can build a guy who's like 6'9", who just 
freaking trashes people. That yeah. was Scott Stevens. Like, guys would be like, pass the puck, turn, and Stevens would just, like, take him out within, like, you know, five seconds after passing the puck. It's like that uh, that video, I think it was, what, last week where Hathaway hits Luke Hughes and smashes him into the boards <laughs> where everyone's like, oh, jeez. Which, like, again, tough hit. Like, Scott Stevens would do ten times that on, like, <laughs> every shift. Like, it's, it's a highly – it's like watching, like, a, a – a hall of fame safety in the nfl in like the 70s it's like you yes. the real. it's not like oh man you're like jesus christ like what the <laughs> fuck was going on back then sean I, taylor like, yeah exactly yeah like sean taylor dude like, like would like straight up like drop guys in the pro bowl it's like guys i'm <laughs> yes. here bringing my family to waikiki beach and now i have to like go <laughs> go get like a cat scan like what are we doing here <laughs> But that's the thing, and like that's gone. You know, you don't have that anymore. Like Scott Stevens would like pull the gun on Luke yes. Hughes or something. You know, like something along those lines. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I'd, I mean, I'd like to see that uh, Department of Player Safety video. It's like this is a firearm. Like <laughs> <laughs> with the with the like the music in the background. Um, but yeah, I I agree. I think that you know again, it doesn't. Ha- it's not the open ice hits. It's not the hits that you and I like to tweet out. It's just you know pinning guys along the wall and 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 just doing that stuff which you know shoulder to shoulder x's and o's kind of hitting you know the the good kind uh so i think you need more of that and they had it at the beginning of the year like that fourth line of lauco lucic beecher did have a little bit of that dna uh at the beginning of the year i know it's obviously been a while you don't have lucic in the equation anymore but you had some of that identity and it's fallen off. You've looked at McAvoy, like since that uh, hit on Oliver Ekman Larson, he's kind of seems to be worried about getting another one of those hits. Now, again, I said it to you before, like that hit was so weird and so dumb <laughs> and so like went out of his way to do that, that I I think, you know, an o- regular open ice shoulder to shoulder hit or shoulder to chest or something like that, I, you know, but again, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, I think he's, I think it's sort of just one of those things where he's sort of scared to, you know, run a guy and then get a five or six game or more suspension, which I get. But again, I go back to like that Ekman Larson hit was like, that was intentional. I, I, I don't know. I, that wasn't just like a, you know, spur of the moment thing. That was just dumb. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm curious to see if they end up, uh, if that identity shifts. I know, uh, I think someone, tw- like, practice last week, Montgomery was kind of screaming at guys, getting them to try to be tougher in front of the net, which he's right. You do need to be tougher in front of your own net. It's crazy how that's the case. Uh, but you do need to be tougher in front of your own net. Uh, Connor, what can people look forward to from you over at the Globe and Boston.com? Yeah, we're going to have you covered throughout this season, whether it's game recaps, features, columns, breakdowns, all that good stuff over there. So please read all of my stuff over there at Boston.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinofsky. We're presented by FanDuel and HelloFresh. You Bruins Beat listeners have a great rest of your week. Teenage.